safeguards, data breaches, vendor risk management. It may not be as glamorous as burnishing customer experience or recruiting top talent, but for financial institutions, security is paramount to managing financial success. To learn more about these issues, we'll talk with Terry Ammons, partner at PKM. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that will help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, the managing editor of BAI. Come on in. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Wonderful to have you here with us today on the show. Terry Ammons. Terry is a partner at PKM. Terry specializes in assurance and consulting services for financial institutions, which includes payments, managed services, loan servicing, and software development, and a variety of private technology company services. Terry, great to have you on the show today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks. So in 2018, we taped a podcast with BAI's thought leadership team, and that included BAI Managing Director Carl Dahlgren, who referred to the security game as whack-a-mole, a uh, comical term, but a very serious thing that Carl was referring to. Yeah, I think that's still applicable. As soon as people try to plug up one hole that hackers find, there's something else. I mean, there's constantly patching and keeping up with that, vulnerabilities that are always you know, showing up. And if you're not on top of that, you're exposing yourself. As that applies to vendor risk management, why should banks worry about it? Well, most banks, all banks, they're using some third-party providers to help them deliver the services that they're offering to their customers. And, you know, those third parties are potential exposure points. Depends on the nature of what the vendors are doing for the banks. But, you know, if the banks hold data or if they process transactions where the bank is dependent on their uptime, I mean, they expose the banks not only to loss of business, but also loss of, you know, data that they're sort of mandated to keep safe. So, again, it depends on what the vendor's doing, but there's a lot of exposure there. And really, vendor management is all about making sure those vendors do what they're supposed to do to keep the bank's client data safe. Data breaches, data breaches, and data breaches. It's almost like the location, location, location issue in real estate, right? It's really placed risk management top of mind. Financial services leaders and regulators are increasing their scrutiny and doing their best to mitigate future risks. What do you see the impact of this on financial institutions in 2019? I think that one of the things that we've noticed is that Believe it or not, the board members and executive management are finally really getting serious about kind of overseeing that process. They're exposed to, you know, legally sometimes, but also reputationally. And so they're really getting behind not just vendor management, but data management. One of the things that's come out of this is that you can't really protect the data that's breached that you referred to a minute ago unless you know where it is. So people are doing a lot better at understanding where the data is. If it's internal, sometimes you've got third parties who hold the data, so you need to know that as well. But, you know, there's this process called deduplication where you don't need necessarily 10 copies, quote, of the client data, but it's all over the place in their network. And so understanding where it is 
and then protecting what's really important and focusing the resources there. I think that's what people are going to be focusing on in 2019. Wow, deduplication. That is a fascinating term. Explain in more detail exactly what that is and why it matters. Deduplication refers to where you have multiple copies of the same database and understanding where you need it and where you don't. I mean, data gets duplicated for various reasons. You know, there's copies of your information, let's say, in four different places, and you really only need it in one place. But people copy. I mean, it's not anything that's done maliciously. It's just I've got a copy of it so I can do some analysis on the loan portfolio. Somebody else has a copy of the loan data because they're doing something as a result as it relates to rates. Somebody else is doing some marketing to people who have a certain profile in the loan and they just make multiple copies of it. So it's harder to protect you know, when you don't know where it is and sometimes it ends up being local on people's machines. So if you don't know where the key data is, you can't protect it. How should banks and financial institutions develop and redefine what they do in 2019? I think that you're going to need to make sure that as you go through and select new vendors or replace existing vendors, not only are they the products and services right for your institution and they align with your strategic plan, but also I think the regulators executive management boards, as I mentioned, are going to be scrutinizing every decision you make to make sure that you're going to protect your customer data and keep the information safe that needs to be protected. So that brings us to the issue of safeguards and due diligence. What should bankers be doing to ensure that the vendors uphold their end of the contract? One of the things that the banks have as a guide is the FFIC and from the OCC, from the FDIC on their vendor management, you know, kind of framework and sort of due diligence is probably the most important thing. And if you get that right, then on an ongoing basis, the monitoring becomes easy. What we see here sometimes is people are making decisions about vendors kind of before they even go through due diligence. But if you do due diligence right, I'm not going to say you're set, but when you do due diligence correctly, you make sure you're strategically aligned, you make sure that you've identified the proper risk and you've measured them to make sure they're kind of at an acceptable level. And then it's just a matter of monitoring the things like their financial performance, the things around their controls, depending on what kind of service you're getting from the vendor. But I think those are the key things. I mean, making sure up front that they check off all those boxes. There is the sad truth that many financial institutions are in a reactive mode. They want to move to a proactive mode or even a prevention mode. What are some of the action steps necessary to get them to that place? I think just having a good program that you run every vendor through no matter what. One of the things that we see, and this is fairly common, the banks have engaged a vendor that really presents some risk that they didn't identify up front. And mainly that happens because you're not running those vendors kind of through the program. Let's say the marketing director engages a vendor to do some analysis on the portfolio for cross-selling. It's purely a marketing objective or initiative, but as a part of that, they're supposed to supply customer data to the marketing program. And so they're not necessarily thinking about 
security. They're thinking about you know uh, cross-selling or revenue generation. So I think that's very important. And as we look at the key cybersecurity concerns that financial institutions should look for at 2019, what's top of mind for you and what should be top of mind for banks? With the 200 or so bank clients that we have and that we work with, the things we continue to see that there are people issues that cause the problems. You can't necessarily buy your way into being secure. A lot of it has to do with the people, what they do, how they interact, and it comes through email, and it comes through phishing attacks. So you can block email attachments, you can block a lot of emails from coming in. Of course, that doesn't inhibit doing business in a certain way, but I think it's focused on training people, reporting incidents when they come, and then having a good either internal resources or a partner who can address issues quickly. People. That seems to be common sense, but what are the things that people are doing incorrectly that put financial institutions at risk? And what do institutions need to look at that would remediate those problems? Primarily, it's the bank's personnel clicking on links that come into their email box that look like they're something they're really not. That's how malware gets on computers. Sometimes ransomware gets in that way. Now, you can stop that, but the problem is you get a lot of false positives. There are tools that can filter emails. I think that's something that would be good. There's also filters that banks can put on their perimeters that will not allow certain attachments certain executables to come in into the network. Again, that's one of those things that you'll get some false positives. There'll be some legitimate things that come in that you'll have to go out and triage after the fact. But there's a way to do that. Website filtering. Another thing that happens is people are browsing websites that have malware in them, you know, these clickbait sites. That's a lot of times where the banks will be infected. So you can block a lot of websites. And again, what's going to happen is there's going to be some false positives. There's going to be some legitimate sites that get blocked, and you'll have to deal with that. But, I mean, it's a little bit of inconvenience, but it reduces the risk tremendously from those kinds of things like phishing attacks and malware. And anyone listening is bound to reduce the risk of what they're going through, of course, provided they take your advice. But what sound advice? Terry, thank you so much for being on the program today. Sure. Thank you. Terry Ammons is a partner at PKM. Be sure to look for Terry on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one. Board members and executive management are finally getting serious in terms of overseeing overall risk management, vendor risk management, and data management. This circles back to where the data is internally and externally housed. A critical concept is deduplication, that is, managing multiple copies of the same database, then figuring out where you need it and where you don't. Number two. Banks and financial institutions need to look at third parties in three parts. That is, with an eye towards what you're buying, what the services do, and what the risks are. The fact is that as you select new vendors and replace old ones, you need to scrutinize every decision you make, as regulators will be watching, and your company safety depends on it. And number three. 
In 2019, risk issues will continue to revolve around people, that is, your people. You can't necessarily buy your way into being secure. Email, phishing attacks, malware, ransomware, and more can infiltrate a bank through just one errant employee click. Train your staff to spot suspicious email and to avoid clickbait sites when they surf the internet. Welcome to Decision Time, where our podcast guest walks us through a major decision they had to make, how they made it, and how it has impacted their career. 20 years ago, Terry Ammons found that serving financial services meant getting with the system, the computer system that is. But what happens when you're offered a challenge you've never prepared for? Here Terry takes us to his decision time. So right around the time I became partner, and that's been 20 years ago now, I was asked by the partners if I wanted to run what became the systems group. In the mid to late 90s, it became very clear that if we were going to be a firm that served financial institutions, we had to have a specialty in IT systems, controls, security around financial institutions. I mean, it was quickly moving from a big computer behind the glass box to a networked environment that the financial institutions that we served. So somebody had to take that. And again, right about the time I became partner, I was asked to do that. So kind of what provided my success up to that point, they were asking me to do something totally different and take on a new challenge. I decided to do it. And again, I'm still running that department today. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. We hope to have you back with us very soon. Be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts at BAI.org. Our producer, as always, is James Grady. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Lou Carloso, the managing editor at BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.